You're listening to Hawk Talk with former Seahawks wide receiver Michael Bumpus. Play fake, going to roll right, dumps it off into the right flat to Michael Bumpus who bounces off a of one tackler, gets inside the 40 down to the 35-yard line. Powered by Seahawks.com. Matt Bumpus looking to the goal line. He throws it into the end zone. Touchdown Seahawks! It's Michael Bumpus with a diving catch in the end zone. A 10-yard touchdown reception for Bumpus and the kid out of Washington State has found himself a place on this team. Now, here's your host, NASA Choby. Welcome into another edition of Hawk Talks. This week, the Seahawks getting ready to take on the Baltimore Ravens on the road. Good matchup, good team. But before we get into that, this is going to be a little weird because this is going to be the first Hawk Talk without Mr. Michael Bumpus. Yes, Michael Bumpus is okay. He's just resting his vocal cords. Came down a little sick. He does so much work for the Seahawks, for Seattle Sports, for the Pac-12 Network, coaching high school ball. So he's doing a lot of work and kind of lost his voice. So we want him to rest up so we can make sure you guys hear him on Sunday and this weekend calling the Cougs game in Pullman. That being said, you just got me here today, and I'll try to do my best to kind of pull double duty and, and carry the load for Michael Bumpus. So appreciate you, dog. Hopefully you get back healthy soon, and we'll see you guys or see Michael Bumpus on the airways the rest of this week. In terms of the Seahawks, there's a big roster move in Seattle. Huge things going down here at the Virginia Mason Athletic Center. As the Seahawks moved into first place in the NFC West, they also make a huge trade right before the deadline to kind of strengthen that already talented defense. Agreeing to terms and bringing in New York Giants former Pro Bowl defensive end Leonard Williams. Now, Williams is a six overall pick out of USC in his ninth season in the NFL, starting his career with the Jets in 2015 before being traded to the Giants during the 2019 season. Williams is 29 years old, started seven of eight games played this season, recording 21 tackles, one and a half sacks, and one pass defended and five quarterback hits. Williams also earned Pro Bowl honors in 2016 when he had seven sacks, 68 tackles, 11 tackles for loss, 19 quarterback hits, and over the course of 132 games, he has 39 and a half sacks, 59 TFLs, and 162 quarterback hits. So Leonard Williams is obviously the real deal, a huge move to help the Seahawks' already talented defensive line, pairing him with Jaron Reed, Draymond Jones, and then everything going on in the edges with Boye Mafe, Daryl Taylor, et cetera, et cetera. So this was a huge move, man, and a really good move by the Seahawks personnel department and John Schneider and his team bringing him in here and to really make this defense and kind of send a message to everybody that they're going for it this year. And this team is has the talent and the roster depth to really compete and make a run down the stretch. So huge roster move there. Really excited to see what he looks like this Sunday. But let's get into this Sunday. What's on tap? What's on tap? Baltimore Ravens, six and two, first place in the AFC North. This year, they've really lived up to their expectations with a big win over Houston in the first week. They beat the Bengals, lost to the Colts in week three, beat the Cleveland Browns, lost to the Steelers, and had wins over Tennessee, Detroit, and Arizona, riding a three game winning streak. And honestly, they've been really impressive as of late. A thumping of the Detroit Lions, which really shocked the entire NFL world. I don't think anyone had that on their bingo card that they were going to beat Detroit, who's one of the best teams in the NFL and definitely in the NFC, beating them 38-6 to and really not being competitive, honestly. So they crushed them there. And then last week they took down the Arizona Cardinals 31-24. to But really, if you look beyond the final score, that game was not that close, man. I mean, the Cardinals came out of the gate. 12-play, 75-yard drive, ending with a Joshua Dobbs touchdown run. And then from that point, 
man, it was all Ravens. They would score 24 unanswered points. That included touchdowns from Gus Edwards and Mark Andrews. The Cardinals would score 17 fourth-quarter points, but 10 of those were scored under two minutes when the game was already over. Cardinals actually outgained the Ravens 310 to 268, but the big difference in that game was turnovers. Cardinals had two turnovers. The Ravens had none. Cardinals were also 0 of 2 on fourth down. When it comes to the star quarterback for the Ravens, he was 18 of 27. Lamar Jackson, 157 yards and one touchdown. Gus Edwards stole the show on the ground, rushing for 80 yards on 19 carries, including three touchdowns. Mark Andrews, a talented tight end, led the Ravens with four receptions, 40 yards and a touchdown. And on the other side, Joshua Dobbs, man, he played okay, going 25 of 37 for 208 and two touchdowns. But again, his bugaboo, turnovers, he had those two interceptions. And, man, it's crazy because now the Cardinals are 1-7 and on the season. And yesterday, Joshua Dobbs was actually traded to the Minnesota Vikings to help out with Kirk Cousins and his torn Achilles. So a lot of not great things happening in the desert, but the Ravens are definitely rolling. And they're a really good football team. When I flip over this head-to-head matchup, you know, it's really close on paper. But just looking at the Ravens, man, offensively, they rank 11th in the NFL, averaging 350 yards per game. Rushing offense, man, these guys are good. This is the second week in a row the Seahawks are having to deal with a team that runs the Rock. They're averaging 143 yards per game. That is third in the NFL. And then when you look at passing the game or passing the ball, 19th in the NFL, 207 yards per game. In terms of points, they're scoring a decent amount, averaging 25.3. That is seventh in the National Football League. When you compare that to the Seahawks, Seahawks are kind of middle of the pack in terms of rankings. You know, I think their numbers don't necessarily indicate how talented they are, how good we know they can be. They're 16th in the NFL when it comes to rankings and total offense, averaging 334 yards per game. When it comes to running the rock, they're 19th, averaging 107 yards per game. And throwing the ball, they're 15th in the league, averaging 227 yards per game. And they are 11th when it comes to scoring that thing, 24 points per game. Now, when you flip to the defense, the Seahawks, as we know, have played really good defense over the last month. Their numbers kind of took a hit a little bit last week as the Browns were able to rack up some yardage in that game, but they're still playing pretty well. They're overall 16th in total defense, giving up 330 yards per game, 8th in rush defense, only allowing 96 yards per game, and they're 22nd against a pass and 11th in terms of points allowed at 19.7. Now you look at this Ravens team, they're the real deal in defense. Second week in a row, the Seahawks are playing a team that runs the ball and defends everything well. They are the number two defense in the NFL, only allowing 276 yards per game. Run defense are allowing 99 yards per game. That ranks 12th. And then against the pass, they are third in the NFL, giving up 176 yards per game. And they are number one in the league when it comes to points allowed, allowing just 15.1 points a game. So looking at the matchups head-to-head, obviously, you know, the Ravens have a slight advantage on the defensive side and it's remotely close on offense, this is going to be a good game. These are two really good football teams that are playing well at this time of the year, and it's a huge matchup. Luckily, you know, it's a non-divisional matchup, so depending on the result, it won't hurt the Seahawks too bad, but this is going to be a fun game. And this game, to me, can really show where the Seahawks are at. It's almost a measuring measuring stick type of game atmosphere. On the road, playing at 10 a.m., which hasn't been an issue for this team really since Pete's gotten here, you know, especially – the last five or six years, but this is a game that can really build confidence for this team and really put the NFL on notice that the Seahawks are for real. You know, us in Seattle, we already know that we've seen it, 
but I think it'll put the rest of the league on notice that these guys are as good as or could be as good as we think they are taking on this Ravens team. So that should be a fun matchup to look at. But while we're talking about the Ravens, they don't play the Seahawks very often. So let's know the history. Know your history. All-time series is tied at 3-3. Yeah, these teams have only played six times in their histories. The Seahawks, in their last meeting, lost a tough one in the rain at Lumen Field back in 2019. It was a wet and sloppy day, if you guys remember. The Seahawks got a real glimpse almost into how good Lamar Jackson could be. He didn't go crazy with his arm. He was just 9 of 20, 143 yards and zero touchdowns. But he killed the Seahawks on the ground, 116 yards on 14 carries in one touchdown, and that came on a fourth down. Kind of infamous NFL films. He was mic'd up. He comes to the sideline. He's throwing his hands up. He's really annoyed that they didn't get the first down, and John Harbaugh is getting ready to send on the field goal kicking squad, and he looks at him, and he wanted to run the ball. They wanted to go for it. They end up going for it, get a touchdown. And the Seahawks that day really struggled to get anything going offensively. They had two turnovers. Both of them were unfortunately ran back for touchdowns, including a pick six from Russell Wilson. DK Metcalf also had a fumble that was ran back for six. Russell finished that day 20 of 41 for 241, one touchdown, one pick. Chris Chris Carson had 65 yards on 21 carries, and Tyler Lockett led all receivers. Five receptions, 61 yards, and one touchdown. And I heard KJ Wright talking about this on his show, that Lamar Jackson is the fastest person he's ever played on a football field. And when you hear that from a guy like KJ Wright, who's been doing this thing for a long time, played over 10 years in the league, played at Mississippi State, that's saying something, right? So the Seahawks, as everyone knows, is going to have their work cut out for them with Lamar Jackson because he is that dude. He is that talented. And hopefully what happened in 2019 does not repeat itself. But let's flip it back to the NFC West. Check on what's going on there. What's the word? Where my soldiers at? West side. Where my soldiers at? West side. And the Seahawks are the NFC West champs again. What's the word in the West on Hawk Talk? Well, I'll tell you what the word is. The Seahawks are in first place. Yes, they are first place in the NFC West with a 5-2 and two record. Jumping ahead of those San Francisco 49ers who are 5-3. and three. Los Angeles Rams 3-5 and five, and the Arizona Cardinals at 1-7. Man, that feels good. First place, man. When this season started, man, San Francisco was the class of the NFC. We know how good they are defensively. We know how many guys they have on offense that are ballers. George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey. The list goes on and on and on. But they're in some trouble right now. They're in some trouble. They've lost three weeks in a row. And... That just goes to show there's a reason why they strap it up. There's a reason why they play the games, and it's because you got to do it on the field. And right now, the 49ers are struggling, and their bye week could not have come at a better time, especially after this last game against the Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals came in there, and I think what we learned from that game is that Joe Burrow is healthy, and when he's healthy, those guys are dangerous. Okay, I think we learned that their struggles early on were really tied to Joe Burrow's calf because since then, and the Seahawks got to see that, you know, he's the legit, and they're the real deal. So in this game, after a three and out by the 49ers, Joe Burrow took the Bengals on a great drive, 10 plays, 85 yards, ending with a seven-yard touchdown to Tyler Boyd. 49ers respond with a good drive of their own that spanned eight plays, 75 yards, ending with a record-setting touchdown by Christian McCaffrey, which is a crazy side note. That gave him at least one touchdown in 17 straight games, including the playoffs. 
That tied the NFL record set by Lenny Moore back in 1963. So Christian McCaffrey is that dude. But on the Bengals' next possession, they would take advantage of great field position. Joe Burrow threw his second touchdown of the day to tight end Anthony Losivas, making the score 14-7. Niners would add a field goal, and they would make the score 14-10 at the half. In the second half, though, Brock Purdy started to struggle. We've seen this the last couple weeks with him. He had two interceptions and a lost fumble, while on the other side, Joe Burrow led the Bengals on two fourth-quarter touchdown drives. And this game was in Santa Clara, man. So that kind of shows you, you know, how good these Bengals can be, man. They won by a final score of 31 to 17. Purdy finished the day 22 of 31, 365 yards and a touchdown. Good looking stats there. But like I just mentioned, he was sacked twice, responsible for three turnovers. And he now has six turnovers. Yes, six turnovers in the last three games. And with Brock, he's been, he's just been so good to start his career. I think everyone's been waiting for that shoe to drop. And I'm not saying it's dropping right now. It will be something to pay attention to, though, because he hasn't gone through this type of adversity yet in his career, at least in the NFL. So it'll be interesting to see how, after the bye week, how they bounce back, because right now they're struggling. You know what I'm saying? So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back. But right now I'm loving it. The Hawks are in first place. I can't lie. I do get some joy when the 49ers lose, given their relationship with the Seahawks. But... One other crazy thing that I'm just looking at my sheet here is the Bengals successfully completed a four-game sweep of the NFC West. That's wild to me. That is wild to me. That's it's hard to do, especially in this division, but the Bengals, they're probably well on their way. But there was more news coming out of San Francisco this week, or Santa Clara, or whatever you want to say. John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan weren't just chilling during the bye week, okay? Somehow they pulled off this huge trade, acquiring Chase Young from the Commanders for a third-round pick in the 2024 draft. Young would be a free agent at the end of the season, so maybe if you're the Commanders, you're not sure if you could resign him. That's why they do this deal. Young missed the opener this year with a neck injury, but has five sacks in seven games. Also created 16 incompletions, which is tied for fourth in the NFL this season. Overall, in 34 games in four seasons with Washington, Young had 14 sacks, 90 tackles, and six forced fumbles. So while the Niners are struggling, they definitely made their team a whole lot better by bringing in Chase Young. So flipping it down in L.A., the Rams took on the Cowboys, and for them, whoo boy, that was a beat down from the word jump. Cowboys dominated from the opening kickoff. Jumped out to a 33-3 lead. Rams score a couple touchdowns late to try to make it a game. They end up losing that ball game 43-20. Dallas didn't punt until eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. And to make matters worse for the Rams, Stafford was replaced by Brett Rippon late in the third quarter after injuring his thumb on a couple of different occasions. Coach Sean McVay didn't know the extended injury at the time, so we'll see there. And for Dallas, Dak Prescott, man, he went off. 25 at 31, 304, four touchdowns, just the one interception. And they somehow contained Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua, and they combined for just seven receptions, 64 yards, and no touchdowns. Safe to say a lot has changed since that week one win in Seattle for the Rams. Be very interesting to see what the Rams look like when the Seahawks go down there and try to get some revenge in L.A. later this month. Now let's get back to those Baltimore Ravens. Dive into these matchups and how the Seahawks are going to get this victory done and what we're going to focus on. Man up. Hey, who man's is this? Who man's is this? Man up, man up, man up, man up. Man up on Hawk Talk. 
there's one place and one place only to start with the Baltimore Ravens, and that's Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is that dude. But for a while there, it didn't seem like he was going to stay in Baltimore. It really seemed like the writing was on the wall. They had a lot of turmoil when it came to that contract. But after 27 months of negotiations, both sides reached a deal. This offseason, that deal was for five years, $260 million with $185 guaranteed. His $52 million a year made him the highest quarterback, highest paid quarterback in the league that's since been passed by Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. But he got that paycheck. He got the Brinks truck backed up. And rightfully so, because Lamar Jackson is that dude. Since he's arrived in Baltimore, he's really changed that franchise. The Ravens had missed the playoffs three straight years prior to Lamar's arrival. Since then, Lamar has a 51-18 and record in regular season games started and led the Ravens to the playoffs in four of the last five seasons. That is the fourth best winning percentage, 739, of all time, of all time among quarterbacks with a minimum of 60 starts. So all he does is win. All he does is win, and... He had one of the best seasons a you know, quarterback could have back in 2019. He became the second unanimous selection as the MVP. 36 touchdown passes, also set the record for most rushing yards by a quarterback, 1,206. Now, the last two years, Lamar has been pretty banged up. In the games he's played in, he's 33 touchdowns and is turning the ball over a lot more with 20 interceptions. He's missed a total of 11 games, including their playoff loss to the Bengals last season. However, in 2023, Lamar has been durable playing every game and putting up some pretty good numbers. Throwing the ball, he is 160 for 227, 1,767 yards with a 70.5 completion percentage. That is third best in the NFL. He's got nine touchdowns and three interceptions. On the ground, 74 carries, 380 yards, and five touchdowns. So, I mean, it's obvious that Lamar can hurt you with his legs. That's, that's pretty clear. This is going to be one of the toughest tests for the Seahawks this season. You know, a lot of the narrative around Lamar has been, can he beat you from the pocket? His 70% completion percentage might show that maybe he can. And I I think he's a complete quarterback. I think all the the nonsense early in his career about he needs to move to running back or play receiver or that, just nonsense. Lamar Jackson is a very good quarterback. But it'll be interesting to watch to see what the Seahawks game plan is and if they do try to keep him in the pocket and how they're going to do that. How are they going to slow him down? The one thing that should give you confidence as a Seahawks fan is how well the Seahawks defense has been playing. They were a little less dominant against the Browns, gave up 385 yards. That was the first time they allowed more than 250 since week three against Carolina. So that dropped the Seahawks down in the rankings a little bit. They fell to 16th in total defense, allowing 331 per game. But on the positive side, the Seahawks have only allowed nine second-half points in the last four games. Nine. Pretty remarkable, man. And, and those nine points, just three field goals. So it's obvious. I think it's safe to say it's pretty well known. This is the best the Seahawks defense has looked in years, and I love every part of it. But they're going to have their hands full with Lamar Jackson, who is just a beast. So it'll be interesting to watch because he's a guy that if you let him go crazy, he will. I think if you can contain his legs, be disciplined in the pass rush lanes, be disciplined who has force and everyone doing their job, I think they can slow that man down. Now, looking at our quarterback, Geno Smith, taking on the Ravens defense. Geno had an interesting game against the Browns, man. He started the game with three straight scoring drives, and on those drives, he was 8 of 12 for 136 yards and a touchdown. Now, in the middle of the game, things got a little rocky. Next seven drives, Geno was 11 of 20, 66 yards, and two interceptions, and the Hawks did not score on any one of those. But, this is the key here, but, 
when the game was on the line and you had to have it, Geno came through in the clutch, four or five, 52 yards, and the game-winning touchdown pass to Jackson Smith in Jigba. He finished that game 23 to 37, 254 yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions. Geno now has 12 game-winning drives in the fourth quarter or overtime in just 58 starts. And that go-ahead touchdown to Jackson Smith and Jigbo was his third final minute of regulation or OT come-from-behind win with the Seahawks. That is the most of any player since 2022, surpassing Tom Brady and Matt Ryan. So the last two years, Geno has shown that he can step up in the clutch and get it done when the game's on the line. So props to Geno there. He's done some really good things this year. The turnovers are kind of what stands out. He's got six interceptions this year. He only had three at this point last year. So that's the only thing that really needs to get cleaned up. We've seen a lot of good things for Geno Smith, and it's an offense as a collective. He, We know what he can do. Like I said, when it's winning time, Geno Smith comes to play. So hopefully we can get that same kind of performance going into a tougher environment, taking on a great Ravens defense. I talked about it earlier. Second in total defense, third against the pass, 12 against the run, one in points allowed, and one in sacks. So it's not going to get any easier for Geno. He's faced some really good defenses this year, back-to-back weeks. You go Browns and Ravens. That's about as hard as as it gets for anybody. But I'm looking for Geno to have a good bounce-back game. And I'm calling it now. We can play this back later. Gino will have zero turnovers on Sunday. Hot take. Zero turnovers on Sunday. I see you, Gino. Got faith in you, buddy. Another matchup I want to take a look at was Zay Flowers and Mark Andrews taking on the Seahawks secondary. At least from the outside looking in, one of the biggest issues around Baltimore has been the receiving core. There's been so many questions about whether or not Lamar has enough weapons, whether or not the front office has done enough to get him weapons that he can throw the ball to. Well, they took that head on this offseason by drafting Zay Flowers in the first round. Flowers, I could go on and on about what he did at Boston College. Probably the best receiver to ever come out of there. First receiver taken from Boston College since 1987. And the first skill position player taken in the first round from BC since 2008. I mean, he was all ACC, All-American, semifinalist for the Blitnikoff Award, three-time All-ACC, 23rd overall pick. And he's making a name for himself in this league, man. He leads... The Ravens in receptions, in yards, he in targets as well. 44 receptions, 461 yards, and one touchdown on the season. So he's doing his thing, and he's got a lot of wiggle to him. He's got a lot of shift. He's a guy that you – he's tough to get down in the open field for sure. So you're going to have to, from defensive defensive back standpoint, Witherspoon, Trey Brown, Reek Wollen, all those guys, you're definitely going to need to – you can't arm tackle this guy. You're going to have to really form tackle, get your chest on him because he is that good. Another guy and probably the most underrated player for the Ravens is tight end Mark Andrews. He's been the leading receiver for the Ravens in three of the past four seasons. Three-time Pro Bowler. He was a first-team All-Pro in 2021. That year, 107 receptions, 1,300 yards, nine touchdowns. Throughout his career, he's averaged 12.8 yards per catch. And he's leading all tight ends with six receiving touchdowns in 2023. So far this year, 32 receptions, 397 yards, and six touchdowns. For the Seahawks defensively, they're 22nd against the pass. But we know that they're ascending. Reek Wool and Julian Love get their first interceptions last week. Devin Witherspoon is fifth in the NFL and passes defended. We've seen Dre, Trey Brown make a ton of plays in the secondary. So I, you know, I'll put my money on our guys, the Seahawks. But 
Zay Flowers and Mark Andrews are some dudes that need to be reckoned with. They're guys that you're going to know where they're lined up on every play. Another matchup looking at our receivers now, taking on that Ravens secondary, so Lockett, DK, JSN, Bobo. And another thing, I said this last week, it's shocking to me that the Seahawks only have one 100-yard game this season from the receiving core. There's been a couple other games that were close, but just DK Metcalf against Carolina. Now, from a secondary perspective, the Ravens have only allowed 200-yard receiving games against them. That was Amon Ross St. Brown. He had 13 receptions for 102 yards against them. And then George Pickens from the Steelers had six for 130 in a tut. Now, the Seahawks receivers maybe aren't putting up the video game numbers right now, but they're all making plays when they need to. That was very evident on the Seahawks game-winning drive against Cleveland. That's JSN. That's Lockett. That's Metcalf catching the ball or making a game-changing block that sprung JSN for that touchdown. Now, it didn't seem like DK and Geno were kind of on the same page last week. Five receptions on 14 targets. You got to take into consideration DK Metcalf was severely under the weather last week, and, and sometimes you're just not going to be in sync in certain games. Some things happen. Ball, the ball gets thrown away. There's weird shadows last game. I expect them to get back on track this week. DK on the year has got 27 receptions, 404 yards, and two touchdowns. Tyler Lockett's got 35 receptions, 370, and three touchdowns. Lockett needs just one more 100-yard game to tie Gerald Jackson for second place for the most 100-yard games in franchise history with 19. JSN is starting to catch fire, man. Back-to-back games with a touchdown, including a game winner. He's got 23 catches, 209 yards, two touchdowns on the season. And Jake Bobo, more Bobo you ask, that's what you're going to get. He's got 10 receptions, 135, two touchdowns, including the one rushing touchdown he got last week. So he's doing enough where he's blocking. He's now, now he's running the ball. He's making deep balls or catches down the sideline. So I like what I'm seeing from Bobo. I like what I'm seeing from this receiving core, and I think they're due for a big game. Now, it's going to be hard this week because they are playing a very talented secondary with the Ravens. You got Marlon Humphrey, who made his return back to the lineup after having foot surgery in week five, but he's a three-time Pro Bowl or first-team All-Pro. We know he can play. Brandon Stevens at corner. He's had a pretty good year, 45 tackles, eight passes defended, two picks. Now, Geno Stone. Geno Stone kind of came out of nowhere, I feel like, filling in for Marcus Williams at safety, but... He's got 33 tackles, five interceptions, five passes defended. His five interceptions lead the National Football League. Then you get Kyle Hamilton at free safety. He's playing well. Three sacks, one forced fumble, one INT, three passes defended. He's got the second most sacks among defensive backs since the start of 2022. And Marcus Williams, one of their guys who's been, they got from New Orleans, who's played really well, except he's just been snake bitten if you will by the injury bug man he's missed 12 games in two seasons with them this year he'd only missed four games in five years with new orleans he returned to practice this week so we'll see if he can play but regardless who's back there those guys are talented so the seahawks are gonna need to be chris they're gonna need to be on the routes everything that they do there so that'll be a fun matchup to watch because we know the seahawks receivers are on the, the cusp of a breakout game but they're going against a really good secondary now the last matchup i want to look at is the running game for the Baltimore Ravens, and that's Gus Edwards taking on the Seahawks front seven. Now, Gus Edwards in his sixth season after going out undrafted at Rutgers, he's been super consistent throughout his career, averaging five yards of carry. He's currently leading the team in rushing, but his quarterback right behind him. This year so far, Gus has got 105 carries, 426 yards, and five touchdowns. 
receiving the ball, six receptions, 107 yards. And like I mentioned earlier, the Ravens do have the league's third-best rushing attack, averaging 143 yards per game on the ground. Now, the Seahawks, one of their strengths defensively has been stopping the run. They're eighth in the NFL, allowing just 96 yards per game. They're third in the league when it comes to yards per carry, 3.57. No one player has ran for more than 67 yards against the Seahawks, but the Seahawks are going to be tested again. Now you got Lamar and Gus Edwards. And I think for me, the big point about quarterbacks like Lamar, beyond the scrambling ability that just cripples you on like a third and 12 or third and 13, where everyone in the secondary has their guys covered up, everyone does a great job, and then he runs out, picks up the first down with his legs. That hurts. That's crippling. That just kills a defense. It makes you want to pull out your hair. But what scares me about Lamar is his ability when it comes to the design runs that they have for him in that offense. Defensively, in the run game, it's 11 on 10, you know, 90% of the time because you're not scheming for the quarterback. When you play a team like Baltimore – yeah, you're damn right you're scheming for the quarterback. That makes it 11-on-11 11 11 in the run game. So from a number standpoint, that just changes things. So they're scary good. They know what they have in Baltimore. Baltimore now has a new offensive coordinator. As Greg Roman has been, after calling plays for six years, is no longer there. But it, it's going to be interesting, man. It's, it's going to be hard. But I think the Seahawks have the guys to do it because you're so versatile in the secondary whether it's a spy, whether it's Jamal Adams creeping, whether it's Witherspoon when he's in the slot, whether it's Bobby Wagner, whether it's Jordan Brooks, who is playing out of his mind right now. I think the Seahawks defense is up for the challenge. But when you pair Gus Edwards with Lamar Jackson together, it's a tough task for anybody. But given what the Seahawks have done this year and shown what they can do consistently week after week after week, I have faith they can get this done. I have so much faith. I'll recap and let you know how the Seahawks are going to get this victory, path to victory. At the 45, waits for the snap. Michael Dixon puts it down. That kick is away. And that kick is good! The Seahawks win! It's good! It's a path to victory on Hawk Talk. I've been saying it, man. Enemy number one this week is Lamar Jackson. Dual threat quarterback. He'll go nuts in the stat sheet if you let him. The Seahawks need to be incredibly disciplined in their rush lanes and need to be sound in their run fits. Lamar's going to make his plays now. Like, you're not shutting him down completely. And if you do, kudos to you because your defense is balling. So he'll get his plays here and there, but he just can't go off. Can't go off on third downs, can't go off in the run game, can't go off in the scramble game. Really have to have show discipline in your rush lanes, doing your job, making sure you're accounting for the quarterback at all times. And then continue stopping the run. That's what you've done this year, that you've done all season, so continue to be consistent. Gus Edwards, good running back, can't have a huge day. And then you got to lock down his top targets. That's Mark Andrews. That's rookie Zay Flowers. I'm really looking for those matchups when Witherspoon or Reek Woolen or Trey Brown is going to be matched up with Zay Flowers just to see you know, good on good, especially the first-round picks in Flowers and Witherspoon taking that matchup on. But keep those guys in front of you. Those are, you know, Lamar's security blankets. Those are the guys that make plays through the air. So keep those guys in front. Offensively, 
Just take care of the football. Take care of the football. Cannot have the big turnovers we've seen in the last three weeks. The Ravens are way too talented, and this is a team that if you turn the ball over like that, it's probably going to come back to bite you. And then offensively, let's get that run game going, man. We saw a lot, a glimpse of what you know this red game is. We've seen it throughout the season. Charbonnet had his best game last year, or last year, last week. Ken Walker had that long run up the sideline. This offensive line is gelling. They're playing well. They're deep. They're physical. Let's get the run game going. I think with a steady dose of Charbonnet and Walker, some really good things can happen for the Seahawks team. And then Gino and DK, they're going to get back on the same page. You watch. Another hot take, DK Metcalf is going to have a huge game this week. A huge game this week. He works incredibly hard. I think people have a bad perception about DK. He's going to ball out this week. Get that connection back on the same page. They have a standard, and they're going to hit it this week. So, you know, you're back on the road. Road Warriors, the Seahawks have been so good on the road these 10 a.m. starts. It's going to be a dogfight, though. And this is a huge game. You want to extend that lead to a full game on San Francisco. Continue to stack wins. That's been my theme this entire season. Stack wins before that rough stretch where you have 49ers, Cowboys, 49ers, Eagles, and then you have the Rams before that. So this will be a fun matchup, man. This will be a fun matchup. Michael Bumpus, miss you, dog. Need you out here next time because I just carried that whole episode and uh, I'm tired. So I'm going to step away. This has been Hawk Talk. Reminder, you can catch us anywhere. Seahawks.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Sirius XM, and more. And please don't forget, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts to rate us, we always appreciate the five stars. Seahawks taking on the Baltimore Ravens this Sunday. Kickoff at 10 a.m. Pre-game show starting at 7 a.m. in Seattle and 8 a.m. on the Seahawks radio network. Make sure you get your radio. Can't wait to hear from you guys. We'll be back on Monday, hopefully, talking about a Seahawks win.